What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 243 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. You know what? The damnedest thing happened to me. I ran into a shaman last week. Um... I had some hair samples from Mike. Don't ask me how I got those. It's a long story. But anyway, for those of you who were born yesterday, Mike, Mike's been dead for a while. He got the booster shot uh, for the COVID, and he died from it. Uh, or at least that's how I interpreted his response. And um, so anyway, through a whole series of incantations and um, me having to not eat anything with ham in it for a few weeks, we were able to bring Mike back. I'm back! Oh, well, oh my. <laughs> he's he's better than ever, apparently. How was it on the other side, Mike? Was it uh, interesting, or was it just kind of boring? It was boring. Uh, that's what I figured. <laughs> there's no storm in hell stuff. There's, there's nothing like that happening. Nobody called me garbage. Yeah, um, and you, so now you know what happens um, when after you you die. But um, you were telling uh, you were telling me before we started recording. You said you're not going to bore the audience with the details of that. No, no, but I but I did run into Elvis, and and uh, he thinks that all the theories about him being alive are also a bunch of bullshit. Damn. Okay, just going right into it then. The the king, <laughs> baby, the king. Teasing you a little bit, of course. We have to ask Mike how his, uh, well, I mean, he's been dead, so I guess his week hasn't <laughs> been doing a whole lot, or I don't know. So we're just keeping up the bit, but uh, no, I'm fine. Um, I didn't die. I felt like death for like a, a half a day. What was crazy is my parents had no reaction at all to the booster or the other shots, and I just got all the symptoms, like, the the second shot, like, knocked me out for a couple days, and uh, the booster, like, when I got it initially, I didn't really feel anything uh, for the first few hours after the shot, but then, as soon as I was about to go to bed, I was starting to feel it, and then it just hit me, and it was just, like, the, the chills, the fever, this fucking bullshit, and, uh... I woke up the next day feeling like I was hungover, and I called out from work, and uh, yeah, that's I, I was actually able to use one of my uh, uh, sick days, so I was I got paid for that day. Um, but yeah, I got the booster shot, and just like with all the other shots that I've got that I had in the past um, with the the COVID vaccine or whatever. Um, me personally, I felt like shit for like two hours and yeah. then yeah. it kind of subsided and I yeah. felt fine and I forgot I had even gotten the shot yeah. later Didn't that night. Didn't happen that way for me. Didn't happen that way for me. Everyone's different. It knocked me out for a little bit and then it took me a couple of days to, to get back to where uh, I felt like I was uh, 100%. Um, but that's just me personally and, and I know everyone's different with it. All I know is I, I I don't really have plans of getting another one after this. Like, no, I, no, I think uh, I, th- I think it's enough already with the goddamn shots. And not only that, but in Israel they've already they they did a a, a field experiment or whatever with um 150 Israeli Israeli um 
hospital workers, and they gave 150 of them the fourth, a fourth booster. And the other group of um, medical workers, they did not give them a fourth booster. And the break, uh, the the um, cases of COVID, uh, like the breakout cases, they yeah, weren't the breakthrough. Yeah, yeah, breakthrough cases. They weren't significantly uh, lower with the fourth vaccine group than they were with the non fourth vaccine group. Like they were, like there was a little bit of benefit, but like. Basically, they were saying like if you're super super at risk, you you could you yeah. might consider getting a yeah. fourth one. But if yeah, that's, that's what I, that's what my guess is. Yeah. But if you're just like a normal healthy younger, mm-hmm. I guess person, then like you yeah. don't, it's not really gonna you know benefit you all that much. And, no. and, and like I said, like I get I get, I get the whole booster thing with with all the variants and stuff that have been going on. But like a fourth fucking shot for a, a virus like that just to me seems like a bit excessive at that point yeah yeah it's like i'm all for science and all that but it's just like <laughs> come on dude like how many of these are we gonna have to fucking get i guess as long as it keeps mutating whatever i'm so fucking yeah <laughs> you know that's just what viruses do josh just just relax just realize viruses mutate the flu virus constantly mutates it's not something specific to covid um i know that a lot of publications or you know working on fear and playing on people's fear but that doesn't mean that mutant mutant strains is something abnormal it's not i just hate how politicized the whole thing's gotten yeah, I, i've never I too i've never me. like i've never seen anything like this in our country before like a fucking a vaccine getting politicized like yeah. i i think you could honestly politicize a bag of potatoes at this point like yeah yeah i don't want to go there but yeah i think it's all the internet anyway uh we're not going to talk about any of that shit that's not what you're here for i don't know what you're here for it's certainly not facts or um education well, you, you will get some facts in this podcast you on get this, a lot of fiction but you also get a lot of facts also um i would like to take a moment to thank liz from the perhaps it's you podcast <clears throat> Sorry, got a little choked up there thinking about her absence. <laughs> um, I would like to thank her for stepping in and filling in for Mike um, last week or whenever it was. Um, I feel like we we had some good banter and some good back and forth, and um, she brought her her unusually high pitched Wisconsin or Minnesotan Minnesota. That's right, voice to the podcast, which added. She brought the Minnesota magic. Yeah, she brought the Minnesota magic, and um, we talked about the magic rock, which I don't know if you and I had. Have we did we talk about that yeah, one? We did. We did. Okay. The, the like one a, where they thought that it helped them win the lottery. Yeah. Right. No, they got. Bl- oh no, it wasn't the lottery. It was the the they got to stay in a house that was rent free or whatever. Yeah, and their they business. got they got some yeah. mall like a, a good mm-hmm. deal at a store. The mall. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. If we did talk about, it, we talked about it so long ago that it it, it bared repeating because it was such a ridiculous fucking premise. <laughs> um, the magic rock. But yeah. Uh. So yeah. Anyway, the what we're gonna be talking about this week is. One of those fantastic early 90s um, 
documentaries that I wish the Elvis Files. I wish dun, they dun, still dun, dun, dun. made these kind of shows, man. <laughs> I really do. Like it was just like the the Gothic Vampire Clubs of the nineties. Yeah. Like I, I, God, I miss those kind of shows. Like you miss the the real vampires exposed. <laughs> yeah, like these shows that would air on Fox or they'd air on like you know TNT or whatever you know and they were just so over the top and so ridiculous but like they had like a really good narrator and they had like a lot of like i don't think this special is 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 one of those that's a really good narrator or or anything you you Um, know what's funny to me is like as i watch these old um kind of shows that that they don't really make anymore with these like kind of over the top narrators who have the this like almost like two like overly radio-esque like mm-hmm. voice as they're talking mm-hmm. about things it and then if you watch like a modern day scientology like propaganda video it's like the same guy like he just yeah. he lost he lost his work doing mainstream stuff because you know like after the one voiceover guy died who, who i would say what happened when with that is the honest trailers videos came along and they became really popular and they were like a parody of that. And then what's funny is that guy who did the Honest Trailers videos and did the, you know, parody trailer voice, he then became the replacement for that guy. Really? Who did the trailer voices. The inner world. Yeah, he became that guy. I think... I actually heard him do narration for trailers, like actual movies. I think stylistically, people just don't really like narration anymore in trailers or... um like those kind of shows with with that kind of uh mm-hmm. dramaticness this to it. This wasn't really a show that aired on TV though. This was a direct to video documentary, oh. special kind of uh cheese. This was also a Patreon request. So I'm yes. wondering and it was Robin from Australia and I'm wondering mm-hmm. Robin, how the hell did you ever f- see this? Probably like, YouTube. Yeah, probably YouTube, but like, good One lord. One of the big selling uh, points of this uh, documentary is, uh, I, I think there was like a, a bit at the end of it where it's like, if you call this number, you can hear the exclusive phone call with Elvis. <laughs> which just shows you that this was a sham from the very beginning. Well, they had like they're like we only played you some of the recording exactly yeah. on tonight's you, on tonight's show. Uh, if you'd like to hear the full recording of Elvis, and if you'd like, I think they were like they said something like if you'd like to speak to Elvis or speak to the lady. Yeah, they they wouldn't go that far. If you'd like to speak to Elvis from beyond the grave, or if you'd like to speak gone. to the like, you could speak to someone like the the maybe it was the yeah. person who provided the the audio clip. Yeah. I don't know, but. So we've talked about Elvis before in the podcast. We talked about uh, his death and whether or not it was an accident because that was covered on Unsolved Mysteries. But what we did not cover is the Elvis conspiracy. The theory that Elvis is alive. He lives among us. Although even with the most uh, fervent believers of Elvis still being alive. I mean, there's just no way that he would, I mean, in 2022 still be alive. The dude would be like, what, 100 years old at this point? I don't know if he'd be that old, but yeah, he, he'd be up there. All right, let me ask Let me ask Google. When was Elvis born? 
it just threw the word call in there for some reason. Uh, <laughs> call Elvis. <laughs> 1935. Hey, Siri, call Elvis. <laughs> so let's do, so like 2022 minus 1935. Elvis would be 87 years old yep. if he was still alive. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's And with the fucking way he lived his life when he was in his 40s or whatever, there's mm-hmm. no chance in hell that he no. lived to the ripe old age no. of 87. No. So, yeah, anyway, this um, documentary. If you even want to call it that. Yeah. Like half I, of this is just stock footage of Elvis doing shows and singing. Well, they started out for they, like newsreel they, footage, and then they have this really shitty, awful uh, Casio uh, electronic music or some shit or jazz songs. I don't know what it is. It was just awful. Made my ears bleed. Like those toy Casio keyboards, if it's in demo mode. Yeah. Um, and it's trying to sound like '50s music. Yeah, th- that big band. Yeah, that kind of thing. Anyway, the video starts out with like all these quotes from these like famous people like Springsteen and John Lennon and <laughs> it starts out in hilarious fashion with all these quotes. You're like, "So, what does this have to do with fucking Elvis?" <laughs> well, yeah, it's got like John Lennon saying like I didn't really pay attention to music until Elvis and blah 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 and this that, and the other. And it's like, "Fair enough. You know, he was he was probably yeah. like the coolest thing for a kid at that time." That. I'm gonna drop a bombshell though. I never really cared for Elvis. I wasn't a big fan of I mean, Elvis's music. By the time you and I came of age to like care about edgy shit, Elvis was so passe at yeah. that point that only like grannies and mm. like older people liked him. Like Mike even showed me this video clip of uh because there was all these like Elvis sighting shows that were on <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, there was there were two specials on Fox. That Bill Bixby from the Incredible Hulk TV show hosted. The first was actually called the Elvis Files, which is confusing at first because I'm like, okay, which Elvis Files are we talking about? The one hosted by Bill Bixby, or are we talking about this special, the the video uh, documentary? Uh, so I got confused initially because I'm like, there's two Elvis Files, uh, and then there was also one called the Elvis Conspiracy. Now the Elvis files was more uh from this point of view that elvis might actually be alive what's funny is like i think like a year or two later the elvis conspiracy came out and that was more from the perspective of ah this is ridiculous and he's dead (laughs) right so um like one of the ladies in the um reenactment elvis sighting or whatever Mm -hmm. uh who claimed to have taken a picture of elvis and all that like uh, she was yeah, like even even though it aired in like ninety two or whatever, like to me she she seemed kind of young to even be giving a shit about Elvis, mm-hmm. like even at that time because if his music yeah. was popular in like the fifties and sixties, then you got to figure uh, if you grew up listening to Elvis, I mean by the time the nineties rolled around when these shows came out, you would have been in like your forties or fifties around thereabouts like there wouldn't be a 25 year old who would in the 90s who would care i don't know about maybe elvis. maybe it's one of those things it's, where it's i a mean family especially thing, when you, like their grandparent or their mom was a big fan and so it's kind of a nostalgic yeah that's the only thing i can you know, think of connection 
But either way, the the Elvis sighting reenactments and in the Elvis conspiracy in particular are hilarious because it, it it's so over dramatized. It's it honestly comes across like a parody, and, and it and I think it was intended to be sincere, but uh, it doesn't come across that way at all. That that one gal uh, that Josh is talking about. Uh, I think she lived in Ohio or something, and she just talking about her experience where she saw who she thinks was Elvis at a restaurant, and she's taking these pictures, and the reenactment is hilarious because you ha- there's no dialogue from the Elvis impersonator. It's just this big, heavy set, like fat guy in Elvis uh, makeup with the Elvis hair, and. She's taking these photos, and then for some reason, the Elvis uh, uh, actor, the guy who's playing Elvis, in order to showcase that Elvis was like upset about be- photos being taken of him, he like yells in the most unnatural way possible. Ah! <laughs> just like flails. It- it's just hilarious. You're just like, what? And then there's another re- Elvis sighting that probably the more infamous one from the same special we had this this uh, gal i think it was in michigan somewhere she swore that she saw elvis on this uh property in the middle of fucking nowhere and they show the reenactment and it looks like something out of like a bigfoot segment in unsolved mysteries because you have like oh i saw something in the woods you take the photo and Instead of Bigfoot, it's Elvis. It's this big lumbering fat guy and what looks like a wife beater with like Elvis hair. And I'm like, if Elvis was alive, why the fuck would he be over there in the Kalamazoo, Michigan? Oh, you're like, you're you're uh, you're jumping places. the gun a little bit. I know, I know, but that's like tied into the whole sighting because it was somewhere I think in Michigan. So yeah, it, I, I mean, it definitely became like a fucking meme and like a running gag, yeah. like later on in the '90s about you know Elvis and then your Elvis impersonator. It mm-hmm. just be, kind of be, became a whole big joke. But I mean, and now I know the basis for one of the sketches in In Living Color with Jim Carrey, which is called Elvis Sightings. I never knew the the context of it. I just thought it was funny because it's like this big guy dressed as Elvis, who's, like, roaring and and acting like a wild animal and and ramming into their truck, and they're trying to tranquilize it, and it's not having any effect. And now I know the context. It was a parody of those specials from so that's a problem the with 90s. A lot, to me, that's a problem with a lot of the, the sketch comedy shows. Like, they, they never really age that well, because, like... I was dating this girl like a cu- like like six months ago, and I tried showing her the first season of Chappelle Show because she'd never mm-hmm. seen it, and I'm like, "Oh, this is the greatest sketch comedy show in my opinion of all time." And you know, you think of the legendary bits when you think of the Chappelle Show, but you don't think about the stuff that like no one talks about anymore on yeah. there. And so we just started going through the episodes, and like there was so much like context that you would need. To find the jokes funny, like I had to explain to her who Carson Daly was and what TRL was, uh-huh. and all this, other, which made me feel like a fucking pervert. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was even with her, um, but like, yeah, like uh, content, and I think that's why, like, a lot of like older Saturday Night Live, like, doesn't really play as well. Like, uh, 
Everyone always used to say growing up, like, 90s Saturday Night Live was the best. But honestly, it, it's only good if you, like, kept up with, like, say, the O.J. Simpson trial. I don't know. I think it depends uh, yeah, on there are certain the bits that is, there's certain bits there that certain can... characters, you know, like the van down by the river guy. Like that's, right. That's there's timeless. certain bits that can stand on their own, but, yeah. but like, ha- at least half of the bits that they do on oh, these yeah. sketch comedy shows are, are topical. I still like I still like sketch comedies. And uh, but uh one of the one of my favorites though is one that didn't really do a lot of topical stuff. Like there might have been a couple jokes here and there that were topical uh, or a couple bits like the Abercrombie and Fitch guys. But a lot of the time on Mad TV, like they weren't really doing strictly topical stuff. Like they were just doing crazy, weird, outlandish sketches. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I only liked a couple bits on Mad TV. Anyway, Elvis. Um, <laughs> in a, as you can see, we'd rather talk about other stuff than this this special. I I thought it was pretty boring, but I, it was one of those though where I did get a laugh out of it because you have all the it's trying to hype Elvis up like in the beginning with all the quotes from famous people and then saying Elvis has sold millions of records worldwide and is blah 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 and is still no, really I think, popular I think today. Bill, uh, a billion billions yeah, yeah. a billion billion yeah. with a b i i don't know about that i mean that might be true but uh, Elvis was huge I mean, like, i know i know he was but like massive. i don't i don't know if if he sold a billion records that he was also huge in other ways <laughs> well he got huge uh, <laughs> he phys- got physically huge. and yeah. metaphorically yeah but um so so then the the uh narrator guy he says has has Elvis left the building forever which I thought was kind of a funny cheesy quote um, so corny the first people we meet quote. the first people we meet are two Elvis experts cuz they the announcer then goes to talk about how all like the numerous books that have been written on Elvis and so they have these two Elvis experts on the first one is Gail Giorgio who's just uh, the ringleader yeah, she's she, the one that started this whole uh, trend of people thinking that Elvis was alive. Uh, she wrote this book that was trying to capitalize on Orion. all of it. Well, not Orion. Orion was a book that barely anybody read because, you know, you'll get to it. Yeah. But uh, she wrote this book that was about Elvis being alive, and she even attached a audio cassette to you a, a copy like if you buy the book you get an audio cassette with with the conversation with elvis and uh it was such a tacky <clears throat> gimmick like she even showed up on larry king live and you would have people call in and there would be this guy who actually knew elvis who would be calling her out on her shit or other people were calling in and being like hey you know this is disrespectful and she, any time that she would try to defend herself or try to like show that she actually <laughs> knows anything, she would honestly get pretty shut down. And then they would like cut to a commercial because you know because this is one of those things where she didn't say a lot, but anything that she did say just came across like bullshit. You know, like you are full of it, and you know you're full of it. Because you're just doing this for the money. Yeah, Mike did a little bit more further investigations into uh, all these uh, Elvis is still alive kind of deal. And people still believe this. I looked in the comments uh, on that video, and there's this, there's a bunch of people still like, she was telling the truth, and they wouldn't let her talk. 
So we meet these two authors, and then the next author we meet is this guy called Monty Nicholson, and he used with uh, uh, like this law Ned enforcement. Flanders looking motherfucker. <laughs> this guy has the smallest dick energy in the world. Like he is just he wants to make a name for himself. Like he he's trying so hard to establish himself as this credible in the know kind of guy. He was in law enforcement for 18 years and 10 of those mm-hmm. years he spent as a uh, investigator. So, you know, he's throwing out his accolades. Private eye. Yeah. And so he wrote a book on Elvis as well. And um he they're basically talking he's basically talking about how he and Gail wrote, both wrote books on Elvis with factually true um, details in them, and they lived on opposite coasts of each other, never met each other, and pretty much arrived at the same conclusions using different sources. Yeah, and then he also brought up the fact that his book was taken off shelves, and he had these phone calls from people, and... Uh, no, that was uh, Gail. Gail. Gail had, had Gail. her book. Yeah, she was talking about how... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Well, he also had his book taken off the shelf, too. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because he mentioned that as well. Yeah, so Gail was saying how uh, she called the publisher, and the publisher was like, they told us that to take the books down, and it happened to the guy, too. So anyway, it's like, oh. But it's one of those things that's like, oh, that's proof of the conspiracy. Yeah, see there? They don't want you to know the real truth kind of thing. And then I'm like... Show me the receipts. Show me the fucking facts. Yeah, so, see, show me the actual proof that this conversation actually took place. Show me proof that your books are taken off the shelves because they were too dangerous and they were going to reveal the truth about Elvis. You know what the real truth is? Your books probably fucking sucked and nobody wanted to read them. Nobody wanted to buy them. That's the truth. And the truth hurts. <laughs> Listen to Mike go. So they start going through all that, and then um, I think it was Gail started talking Although about... Gail, sadly, her book, her second book did sell really well, because people were just caught up in this wave of conspiracy about what, what if Elvis was alive? Was her second book also about Elvis? Yeah. Of course it was. Um, so then they, they go into, like, the inconsistencies, why Elvis might be alive. The first thing they start talking about is his body. Like when he had, they had the open casket funeral and you had Gene Smith, Elvis's oh cousin. God. This guy is a good old boy. Oh yeah, man. Good old He's boy. A, old boom Hauer, you know, man, yeah. his body didn't look right, man. He got them big brick laying. He was been breaking bricks his whole life. I'm like, when did Elvis have time to break bricks with his bare hands? I don't understand that. Well, maybe. But. Maybe. You know, when he was younger. Yeah, but maybe. The whole thing is, though, this guy, yeah, he's related to Elvis, but man, the guy, he, he sounds like he's three sheets to the fucking wind. It just drunk off his ass. Does not sound credible at all to me. Just because you know Elvis or knew Elvis, that doesn't mean you are actually an expert. Well, I mean, you know, these shows back in the day, they were like sharks. I mean, even Unsolved Mysteries, they, yeah. they, were, they were getting any anybody they could, you know. Like, Unsolved Mysteries got Red West and, um, mm-hmm. uh, what's that dude's name? Um, 
Ron Stanley or whatever his name was, Elvis's other cousin or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. And then Red West was Elvis's bodyguard or he worked as part of the Memphis Mafia and all that. And now you got Gene Smith over here who's Elvis's cousin. So these these people, they, 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 yeah. they want to get whoever they can, but they never get like Priscilla. They never get Lisa no. Marie. No. Uh, they don't get anyone that's actually like so close to Elvis that they would have actually, I mean, especially uh-huh. Pris- Priscilla would have fucking known everything. Yeah. Um, I believe she's um, still alive. So the theory is that that wasn't Elvis in the casket. Right. And it they was were saying. a wax figure and, and the coffin was some special technology to keep it from melting. And that's why it weighed 900 pounds. And that's ridiculous for one. I, I don't even think technology like that even existed back then. I don't even know if technology like that exists now. And it was so heavy because it was made out of solid copper. That's the reason why it was so heavy. And just because, and, and that photo easily could have been touched up. You know, photos were edited back in the day before Photoshop. They just used different uh, uh, forms of editing uh, uh, to their disposal. Like they didn't have the the Photoshop that we know today, but they found other ways to make things look a certain way. Also, it could have just been a bad angle, you know. Could have been uh, uh, lighting that just made it look like it was more waxy. I know they talked about his face and how uh, it looked different. It didn't look like him. He had like a pug a pug nose instead of his normal nose. They were it's saying like that, that happens all the time during reconstruction or or because one of the people that knew Elvis who's talking about his face down I think in uh in the toilet or something so or or on the ground and so they they felt that you know had to do some reconstruction or whatever um they were talking about his the cousin was saying how rough Elvis's hands were and all the calluses and then he said in the casket his hands were like smoother than a baby's ass and they were. He was saying that he saw like sweat around Elvis's like forehead, and you know, uh, Gail Giorgio uh, observes that corpses don't sweat, and you know, it's like no shit. Um, but it's, <laughs> it was not say, sweat. He was saying Gene Elvis's cousin was saying the hair looked different. It looked like a hair piece, and blah 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 blah. Um, they was they were talking about how the headstone was spe- like Elvis Aaron Presley. The Aaron was spelled with oh, two God, A's. That, that nonsense. And how like literally every other like instance of Elvis's middle name, he only spells it with one A. But it's not every other instance because uh, there is written evidence that shows that he was signing his name with two A's around uh, the time of his death. So he was signing his name differently. Uh, at that time, he decided to change things because I think it was out of respect to his brother, I think, or something along those lines. Brother's so, name was Jesse, I wanted to say. Yeah. Or or it was just one of those things where I guess he just preferred that spelling. So hey, man, he, I want, I'm the king. I want another A. And like he even legally changed his middle name to that. There's documents that show that. So that's really that's just, fucking weird that you would do. That's like, yeah, I mean, that that makes no sense. But, but you know, people, you know, he was he do. was high for the last like ten years of his life, so I mean that's part of it. Yeah, maybe. People, you know, just do stuff sometimes. Maybe he just decided to 
he just liked the way that sounded better or looked on paper. Um, so that's a bunch of bullshit. Like, yeah, it's spelled that way because he wanted it spelled that way. Try harder. <laughs> next. So, um, <laughs> Uh, the next, I, the next thing was um, there was like a lot of stuff missing from uh, the list of Elvis's possessions. Um, Gail, Gail was going off about how, you know, they were missing this and they were missing that. And um, what just, does that have to do with a conspiracy that Elvis is still alive just because those well, things were missing? Well, because he took them with him because he's not uh, dead. Uh, yeah, or or someone else took them. You know that. <laughs> That could have come that, you know, that never came to mind that, that someone else might have took those items. I know they mentioned something about a plane. And for, like, uh, let me just and, say, I mean, I know public I, I know Elvis was a public figure, but Jesus Christ, the nosiness of of these. I mean, Elvis was still a person with family and yeah. all that. And when he died, it's like all these like nosy little mm-hmm. people who who literally the Presley family owes you nothing. They owe yeah. you dick. Uh-huh. And he got all these nosy people talking, well, where's his his Lamborghini? Where's his helicopter? It's none of your fucking business. That's the fa- that's all the family's that's the family's business. That's not of your concern. Uh you know it's it more like a Corvette or something. I don't know than, what the fuck, you, you know, know, I'm sure there there were no Lamborghinis back then. I'm just pulling think. pulling shit out of my ass, but um But no, I I, I I I definitely agree with you. It's very nosy and it's disrespectful. Like just just stop. Yeah. He's dead. So then the next thing, I, I love this one, because this, this gets into Unsolved Mysteries, hacky territory. Um, like, this would be a regular thing that you would see in Unsolved Mysteries, like the um, the, the um, Kelsey house haunting, where there was mm-hmm. the, the Polaroid of Phil Collins mm-hmm. in the mix, and, and that was the, a picture of the ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, I joke saying it was Phil Collins, because it literally looks like the album cover to Phil Collins' uh, But Seriously album. <laughs> uh, there is the picture that the one guy who visited Elvis's um, kind of grave and like the the house and all that, um, he snapped some pictures. He brought his son to Graceland for the uh, viewing of uh, the grave and all that, and um, took some pictures and put them away. Didn't really think about them. Then, for whatever reason, one day he just took them out again. Decided to look at them. But because of the way the light was hitting the picture on that day, he saw something in the picture that he had never seen before. He got his son's magnifying glass, holds it to the picture. You see uh, the, the this door to the house, and you see this silhouette just inside the door in the darkness, and the camera zooms in and zooms in, and bam, Elvis Presley is sitting right there in the doorway watching all the mourners at his at his um viewing at of his memorial or whatever now i don't know what was in that picture the guy had kodak verify that the it was well actually i looked it up that's just his word kodak never doesn't ver- do any verification uh, at all like that that doesn't happen. So he that he just he made that up. And you know what's crazy about this guy is he said all this in this documentary. And then like when he's interviewed for other Elvis specials or other Elvis stuff, he completely changes his story and is is 
on this stance where he was a skeptic the entire time and it's not Elvis and blah, blah, blah. So I think I find that kind of crazy that like, he's like, Oh, it's Elvis. But then like later on, he's like, no, that wasn't Elvis. Yeah. But like, I just find the notion hilarious that like Elvis, like if he was trying to like fake fake his own death would, would be so bold like knowing the riot that he would cause if anyone yeah. were to like spot him that like there'd be this like line of people outside your house like and it, yeah it was like maybe 20 or 30 yards away from the house but still like you know uh-huh. close enough to where if someone really looked that hey is that that's the king he's he's yeah. just sitting there looking at us he's not dead and they would have all like stormed the barricade you know like yeah. it's just it's preposterous to think that like that would happen um the fact i did some extra research and apparently the theory is that that was uh i think a, a bodyguard or, or a security guy at uh at graceland it was this this man who you know looked a little like elvis had a very similar hairstyle i mean to be honest in the 70s at that time i believe it's still the 70s right uh it, it was a very popular hairstyle Elvis wasn't the only one that was rocking that. So uh, just because you see a guy who looks a little like Elvis, that doesn't mean anything. Like There were a lot of guys back then who looked a little like Elvis with that hairstyle and and because they wanted to try to capitalize on Elvis's popularity. Yeah, also like it would make a lot more sense that there would be a bodyguard right in the doorway, you know, of his place to keep anyone Mm -hmm. from like trying to, you know, sneak Mm -hmm. in. Yeah. So that was pretty funny. That was more evidence that he was alive. And, you know, when you're watching this show back in the nineties, there's no way you can go online and fact check any of this. So you just take, you're taking it at face value. Like shit. Well, and there's, and there's no opposing viewpoint in this documentary. I know. So there's no Michael Shermer from, uh, the skeptic or whatever, like they they always had on Unsolved Mysteries, Mister Skeptic Inquirer, yeah, yeah, Mister uh, Mister Party Pooper to come in and be like, well, wait a second now, you know, uh, he just said that blah blah blah, you know, like they always uh-huh. had that guy in there on, on Unsolved Mysteries to just like rain on your parade if you want to believe, but no, 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 uh, this is a skeptic free video, very much, um, yeah. you know. <laughs> they act like they're going in with an objective mind, but they're totally like they made their mind up. Absolutely. Because it, you, you know. 100% uh, an instance of they believe that Elvis is alive and this conspiracy is real. Uh, they do talk about the typical Elvis sightings where people are saying that they saw Elvis. <clears> and uh, like there's this one guy who said, like, oh, I saw this guy with jet black hair, styled an El- like Elvis, and he knew things only Elvis would know. <laughs> he made cryptic remarks about Elvis. First of all, how would how would an El- how would a third party know things that only Elvis would know if only Elvis would know those things? Unless you were, like, an intimate part of his circle, like, how would, I don't well, know. Well, I, I mean, I guess what, what you're saying kind of strengthens those points where, like, oh, new things only Elvis would know. But at the same time, like, I think what you're trying to say is how would some fan or some other people know these things that only Elvis Yeah, these would very know? specific things, yeah. right? Like, uh, you yeah. know, like, like like Elvis knew that there was, like, a half-eaten hoagie in the refrigerator in Graceland. And, and you know, that's true. 
because uh, I totally have been in that refrigerator, and I knew that, but only Elvis would know that other than myself. But yeah. it's like, how, how would you, you know, anyway. <laughs> or then people who try, there's this claim that Elvis, uh, after the time of his death, went to the airport in Memphis. Okay, so he was allegedly I'm, seen I purchasing got, a ticket yeah. to South America. So we got another uh, uh, Elvis in the air story. And, and this, so in the documentary, it cuts back to that Monty uh, Nicholson guy, mm-hmm. uh, nerdy Ned Flanders. And um, he's talking about how he, he had a friend in the agency who had pictures of Elvis getting into a helicopter. And he was with people who looked like government agents, the black trench coat, the earpiece in the ear. And his friend claimed that the picture was taken several hours after Elvis had died at Graceland. Of course, we don't see the picture. Well, of, <laughs> well, yeah, listen to you know what's coming up. So <laughs> he goes on to say that he was doing research um, for this fiction book that he was going to write about Elvis. Now, what kind of a loser, how big of a loser do you have to be to write a fiction book on Elvis? I don't know. Well, I mean, that's what uh, DiGiorgio did, too. Well, I think they were. I think she was trying to say it was nonfiction. You know, like this shit really happened. No, but. that was later on. That was her second book. Oh, okay. Her, so. Orion was was a fiction. Oh, book. got a, fa- a fanfic about Elvis. Makes yeah. sense. but not about Elvis. So anyway, it was a fictional character, but it was it was Elvis. Well, not. we got it. We got it, Mike. While Monty was doing <laughs> this research for this book, <laughs> we, you got to sharpen your non-interrupting uh, knives. They've been a little dulled for the Sorry. past few weeks. <laughs> um, he, he's doing research at, for this book he was writing, and he was having a running conversation with the guy who showed him the pictures um, of the Elvis getting into a helicopter for like six or eight months. Um and then he quit the department, um, the, his friend, and he was gone for several months, and he had the pictures, and there was no way to verify the date, but um, Monty was writing a fiction novel at the time, so it really wasn't that important for him to verify the date. But then he changed his mind at some point along the, the, along the line of him writing this book. He changes his mind, and he's like, you know what? This might be the biggest thing, uh, the biggest, like, scandal or the biggest like mystery that that has been unsolved in, in our in our lifetime so i'm going to i'm going to change my mind and write a non-fiction about elvis so, <laughs> so then he got to where he started thinking about those pictures and then he did want to verify the date and so he tried to recontact his friend and when he found him his friend denied showing any pictures or having any affiliation with elvis and Monty's like, I'm not crazy. We need to talk about this. We need to meet. And they made a date to meet up. The address that he gave them was a vacant house, and the phone number was a disconnected number. Um, Monty has no idea where he is since then. He, and, and this is him, you know, flexing his, his um, you know, just how important and legitimate he is. He goes, uh, I know with my powers of perception and reason and with the 18 years I spent in the law enforcement, 10 years of that was an investigator, uh, I know very well I, uh, that I did not imagine this. So then they kind of like dovetail that into Elvis, the Elvis working for the government angle and his, yeah. li- his life was in danger. Before we get to that, though, I want to provide a little bit more uh, evidence to uh, the whole thing where I was talking about the Memphis airport thing. 
because uh, there's no one that can corroborate the claim, trace the claim, give any insight into it and where it came from. And it has no basis, in fact, because there were no flights to uh, South America or anywhere. No international tickets were sold at the Memphis airport in August of 1977. And that's also because there were no international flights, period. <laughs> so there, there's just no way for that to ever happen in that, at least from Memphis, from the Memphis airport. So that that is just a, a tall tale, like so many of these uh, um, supposed bits of evidence. Um, there's another one they try to use about the, this active insurance policy. They they claim that Elvis faked his death, and there's an insurance policy that's still active. So that means the Presley estate was aware, and they're collecting on a life insurance policy. And the fact is, there is no Lloyd's of London insurance policy with Elvis. It doesn't exist. It's another fabrication. So they just like they just lie. straight up made that up. They just fucking made it up. There's no no one ever no one who was a believer of this theory really put the effort into digging and to to see whether or not it holds any water. They just wanted to believe it so much that they just acted like it was fact and it's it's just a total work of fiction like all this other bullshit about elvis being alive and uh just like elvis working for the government or in witness protection because he was trying to stop this group called the fraternity you know what's crazy is this whole stuff with the fraternity it wasn't even really an investigation that involved Elvis. It involved someone else in his family. Like he didn't testify in the case. It was more about Vernon Presley. It wasn't really about Elvis Presley this whole thing with the the fraternity. But they leave that out because, you know, it doesn't suit the narrative very well. It doesn't well. suit the narrative because they're trying to have this idea that Elvis was in danger because the fraternity was going to get him and he had to fake his death. But why wasn't Vernon afforded the same federal protection? And why wasn't he put into uh, witness protection? Because he was the one that testified against the fraternity in the first place. It's a really lame name for a whatever yeah, it's supposed for, to be. For a, for a group of a clandestine group of criminals, the fraternity. Bunch of frat boys. What are you going to do? Put you through the, the spanking machine or, or haze you or something? <laughs> Stick a carrot up your ass or whatever they do with fraternities <laughs> to initiate people. Yeah. Um, Elvis was also never a legitimate federal agent. Uh, they they try to think they try to insinuate that he was or he wanted to be, and he was so well known and so popular and so well liked that the government actually did accommodate that. But that that's not the case at all. Uh, it, he conferred with Nixon and he got the status of a special assistant for the BNN, the BNDD, the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs. They gave him a badge because Elvis had this hobby where he liked to collect badges. Yo, man, I just think the badges look kind of neat. So he liked to collect these badges and he wanted a BNDD badge. Nixon 
appointed Elvis as an advisor, gave him the badge, and that was it. He was never an agent. That never happened. And in this part of the documentary, they focus a lot on this like writing expert guy. And I can't find anything about this guy. I did some my own research on the guy's name. I see the guy on like the Elvis Files special with Bill Bixby, and I see him here, but I can't find any other information about this guy to really show that he's actually an expert. And what I found really funny about this, because they're also trying to connect some letter that was, I, I was it some other letter that they found like after his death and they're trying to say that it matches Elvis's handwritten letter to the, to Nixon. Oh, the Would handwritten it, letter to Nixon matches yeah. his death certificate. His death certificate. Okay. There we go. Because they're saying that Elvis wrote his own death certificate. That's their big bombshell in this documentary. <laughs> right. And, among other things. Among other things. But that's like the biggest one because they have this writing expert and they're like, this is, this is, this is amazing. Like, this is verifiable proof and evidence. And they have the handwriting expert. He's showing the two uh, pieces of writing and he's putting the, the, them on top of each other. See, it, it matches precisely and i'm like it doesn't match at all but that's not the only what, that's that's not what are we looking at here it doesn't match at all like if you're gonna shovel this bullshit into people's mouths like try a little harder to make your expert and your evidence actually look legitimate i mean for fuck's sake they don't match on camera <laughs> yeah that won't be the last time that they bring in a expert that just I'm I'm sitting there scratching my head going, "Huh? This is this is your this is your big reveal." So anyway, um the uh that the whole narrative of him being, you know, they talk about how Elvis wrote a letter to Nixon about how, you know, the the hippie the hippie element, quote unquote to use Elvis's word, uh the uh Black Panthers the young people uh, do drugs. They don't consider him a threat or an enemy. Uh, so basically, he could go in and like infiltrate as an agent abroad or whatever. Um, and he even tells. I a, find that idea hilarious because he would just stick out like a sore thumb. Well, he even and he would never be able to to really effectively be undercover. It's about as believable as like Steven Seagal being like a legitimate secret super spy. Well, I mean, also the fact that, like, Elvis himself, like, the dude, I mean, especially throughout his whole career, but especially towards the end, the dude was taking, like, quaaludes and yeah. uppers and down. I mean, the amount of drugs. It's hilarious where he's talking about drugs are a problem. And then you're like, how much drugs do you have in your system? Yeah, right exactly. Now? Like, he thought he was above like it's like uh, he was up just above everything like uh, like do as i say not as i do kind of thing you know like yeah he's just in denial that he he was a he, he himself was a drug addict which ultimately is what led to his ultimate demise and anyway he actually meets with uh nixon there's pictures of them together and all that and and nixon gives him a badge um and then, you know, you got Gail uh, Giorgio saying that it, it wasn't just a token 
that it was an actual, um, you know, badge and all that. Um, yeah, but it had no power. Had it no, had no no weight to it. Right. There was no kind of authority behind it. No. But um, then they were they were also talking about how you know. Elvis basically needed to be in the witness um, protection program. And then you got nerdy Ned Flanders, Mr. Uh, Monty Nicholson coming back in. And this is this is where this is where he flexes his small dick energy the most. He goes, the strong possibility exists that he may very well be a part of the witness protection program. Being part of the law enforcement community myself, this prevents me from ever undermining the efforts of another law enforcement agency. And it also prevents me from telling you the answer to this question, which I know is the truth. (laughs) So he's basically on TV going out Mm -hmm. and saying, I know whether or not Elvis is in the witness protection program, but I would never do anything to undermine the law enforcement community. Now, if you're any kind of investigator or detective or anything... Why would you go on a show trying to be, that's trying to prove that Elvis is still alive, write a book how Elvis is still alive, and then basically say, <coughs> God damn it, uh, basically say, <laughs> I, know, uh, I know whether or not Elvis is in the witness protection program, but I'm not going to tell you that because I'm not trying to undermine any other law enforcement's uh, inve- whatever they're trying to do. That's and it's a like, very dude, you just in in every way except going right out and saying it. You have told us this whole for the duration yeah. of this show that that you know that that in your mind that's what's going on is that Elvis is in the witness uh-huh. protection program. So this is a very quick way to destroy your credibility to say things like this because this is the kind of stuff that only people who are just obsessed and, and and just completely lost to the point where they believe their own lies and their own bullshit that they would say stuff like this. This is like fan fiction stuff. This is like, oh, I know. I know the truth. I know the reality of the situation and the reality is that Elvis is alive and it's like you don't know shit. <laughs> you don't have any evidence. Like your biggest evidence is the Oh, the death certificate matches his handwriting, and that doesn't even match on camera. So, you don't have any real evidence about anything. It's just a bunch of bullshit and just nonsense theories. And you can sound as confident as you want. That doesn't mean that you're actually speaking the truth. Monty. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so... He's saying all that, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just wait. I know the truth, which I know is the truth. It's like, I, shut up. <laughs> so that, that, that whole angle is talked about, and then they get into the whole Elvis relocating to Kalamazoo and, <laughs> and visiting Muhammad Ali in the hospital there, who is yeah. apparently mending from some injury. And then some photo of Elvis with Ali after when, yeah when Ali's Ali is leaving the hospital and this was after Elvis's death and someone took a photo and Elvis appeared to be in the picture with Muhammad Ali and the photo was sent to an expert of course because there's always an expert uh, the picture was and then the expert confirmed it 
And the picture was apparently shown to Muhammad Ali in 1989, and he verified that it was Elvis. And um, Mah- I did some extra digging on that one, and I think uh, Ali uh, went on record and said that that's not true. And he doesn't know where that came from. And also, even if he did verify it, I think around that time, Ali was starting to suffer from the effects of, you know, all of all of the hits to his head. Because I think he ultimately did get some kind of uh, uh, disease or something to do with yeah, his kind brain. Of, yeah, dementia of some and, sort. And so, yeah, you show him a picture, that picture, it does look like Elvis. I, it doesn't. It's not too much of a stretch that he would be like, "Yeah, that's Elvis." Yeah. Um. So then this tape uh, recording emerged from of an unknown person talking <laughs> to Elvis, and so then they bring in yet another expert, and this expert is really what just got me. Like, uh-huh. okay, the 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 show is just really trying to like pull one over on people. So they bring in this like voice authentication expert. And he brought out these two pieces of paper that, to me, look like cocktail napkins that somebody took, like, the side of a pencil and just scribbled, like, up and down a bunch of random lines. And that's what these images look like that he brings out. There's one on the left and one on the right. And he said these images represent vocal formants of Elvis saying the word music. And the one on the left is a known recording of him saying the word music. And the, the image on the right is the supposed Elvis from the phone call saying music. And according to the expert, they match up perfectly. And if you don't know shit about audio analysis, you're you're just going to take this on face value. Yeah. But like I'm sitting here looking at these two images and this means nothing to me. It's yeah. black scribbles uh-huh. on both images and someone is telling me it proves something. Yeah. It, but it's it's like those uh, EVP recordings where it's like uh, it clearly says yeah exa- yeah exactly or, you know, something it's like, like that so and- open to interpretation now if a vocal formant is anything like a wave file a wave you just copy it well you could just copy the wave file and like you know, have them side by side that's not what I was like- gonna that's not what I was gonna say uh, but like it, yeah if 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 it's anything like uh, a waveform. Uh, like whenever you like sound is measured in waveforms, like you have your like sine waves and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the I, I when you say a word, when you make a sound with your voice, it's the wave, the form of the wave is going to be different every single time. Yeah, I mean, even even if you try to say it the same way, uh, there's still going to be tiny discrepancies. In the waveform, like I know this from recording vocals, I'll I'll try to do what are called doubles, where you they usually do it on like choruses to songs, where you just sing the same melody again over the one you previously did, because it just makes the chorus sound more powerful with like a bunch with more voices on it. So you try to do vocal doubles, and what you try to do is you try to get it basically as close to your original take as possible. And but it's you, never the same. You could get you could get pretty damn close, but I mean, if you mm-hmm. really break down the waves, they they look different. Mm-hmm. So how this guy was able to take two totally separate instances uh, at when Elvis was two totally different ages, different you know, 
you know, you, you, you could be tired, you could be excited, you know, and you'll, you'll say the way you say a word will be different than another way and age and all that. And he just has these two graphs and it's like they match up perfectly. It's like, I don't buy that for a split second. Yeah, I agree. As someone who like works more in the music <laughs> production side of things, like I just know it doesn't work like that. Um, but I bet there were people that saw this, rented it on video, and their minds were blown. Their minds were blown. I think, fans. see what happens a lot of times with this shit is like, the, your average person will see something like this once, because it will air on TV, and that'll be it. They'll see it once. They'll kind of glean the major yeah. points, but they won't get into the specifics. And then they'll just say, no, I, I know Elvis is still alive. And they won't say that they saw it on a TV show on <laughs> Fox because that makes them sound like an idiot. So they'll be like, I'm not going to get into how I know, but just know that I, I know. This is how most people uh-huh. disseminate information yeah. about yeah. things that they think that they know. They see something once. They don't really do research into it, which is really the basis of our podcast is Look, looking at something once and not although, really doing research. Although I did try to do some some yes, extra you did a better you did a better job at that than I did because I honestly I, I've always been fascinated by this Elvis conspiracy, this whole Elvis is still alive, uh, story, because uh, that's what it is. It's a story. It's a work of fiction. Let's be honest. He's not alive. He's dead. Um, and this was interesting to just see just how absurd and how ridiculous these theories are and how deep this rabbit hole goes. And, uh, yeah, the waveforms, the, the, the audio that talks about how he always wanted to go to Germany. And I'll say this impersonator is great. And I, and I'm, I'm saying impersonator because it's been debunked already that it's a a pretty well-known Elvis impersonator uh, who does a lot of Elvis vocal stuff. And uh, that was actually debunked, I think, on one of the Elvis specials. Or it was debunked on, like, a daytime talk show or something. After the popularity of the Elvis Files special with uh, uh, Bill Bixby. I I don't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. uh, But, yeah, it was a pretty well-known Elvis uh, vocal impersonator. I mean, I'd, uh, I'd say for the most part, Elvis has one of those voices that's easier to impersonate than other people's. Yeah. Like, it's very... I, I can't do it very well, but, you know... <laughs> I mean, I can't either, but, like, it, it's... Everyone can do, like, an Elvis approximation, so it stands to reason that there would be people out there who would be able to really nail it. Like, mm-hmm. um... You're not going to find a lot of Bobcat Goldthwait uh, vocal impersonators, <laughs> for instance, or like Gilbert Gottfried, you know, like uh, there's not going to be a lot of people that can really do their voices, um, even though Bobcat's voice, I think, was mostly just put on when he did his comedy specials. He doesn't really talk like that, but whatever. Um, he doesn't even do that anymore. Thank God that sh- that voice was so annoying. But um like even someone like Robin Williams, I actually saw this this movie trailer come out that that I don't think it's gonna come out yet. It was just like a experiment. But there's this young actor who not only looks like a young Robin Williams, but he fucking sounds just oh, yeah, like him. Yeah, he was Jamie. I think Jamie. I don't. Is it Jamie Collins? It's Jamie something. That shit was that shit Jamie. was eerie, dude. Yeah, it was great, and it got taken down by the company that I guess he thought 
was okay with because it's a production company he was working with, but they took the video down. And it, it's a shame because that was a great video that he did. Um, yeah, Jamie does great. Just absolutely phenomenal impressions of Robin. He really does capture his spirit in a way that just is very uncanny. Like, any movie that ever comes out down the road, uh, like, that has anything to do with Robin Williams, that guy needs to be the first choice. Yes. Or else they are fools. Yeah. Even though he's not a big name, like, you really need to, you need to give him that, that uh, shot. He does a great Harrison Ford, too. Wow. He doesn't really look, I mean, he looks, he actually looks like a young Robin Williams, and he sounds like him. No, he does, for sure. Absolutely. But yeah, the, so then like this thing finishes with that tape of Elvis talking, and then I can't even understand anything. Like I even, I even took a listen to the the YouTube rip. Like somebody ripped that tape and put it on YouTube, and I'm just what the fuck. I mean, I don't it, know if it's Elvis or, or or I don't know who it is. I, I don't know what is going on because I can't hear a fucking thing. It is definitely consistent with uh, Elvis being high on drugs, you know, yeah. like like because if he did uh, <clears throat> disappear on purpose, it would stand to reason that uh, he he wouldn't have kicked his, uh, you know, ni- yeah. nineteen drugs that he was taking <laughs> regularly at the, the time. The cocktail, yeah. The the attacks. The attacks. Or we just, but well, I don't want to, uh, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to <laughs> hurt anybody. <laughs> God, that's like every uberly older drunk guy that comes up to me at karaoke. Like, I'll, I want to <laughs> sing, uh, shit, what is that song? Uh, oh, man. Oh, man. Who does that song? Boop, 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 did loop. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Like, I'm just this human computer that can be like, that song was sung by Neil Diamond. It is called Steamroller Blues. You know, it's like, what the fuck? Are you, like, <laughs> fucking people are so stupid. My God. Makes hey, me the sad. Same, those same people probably would listen to that tape and think it was Elvis. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe they could decipher it since he's speaking their drunken language. <laughs> So that was pretty uh, much the end of it. Besides this one eight hundred number that they have you call, that you can call at the end or whatever, where you um, can like hear the because mm-hmm. they're like you. We only played you some of the Elvis recording, but to hear the whole yeah. thing, call this number and blah blah blah. And it's just like Jesus I, I want to talk about one other like crazy theory that some people have that's already been debunked already, but it's hilarious. Uh, there's there's the Elvis uh, uh, alivers they like to call themselves the alivers they they believe that uh, Elvis some of them believe that Elvis was in Home Alone oh yeah that you posted that in the group that, the, 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 that scene where Catherine O'Hara uh, uh, is getting mad at the airline uh, guy who works at, at the, at the counter and wants a ticket and da da da. There's this guy in the background. He's got a beard and they, they try to say that was Elvis. That's Elvis. And it's already been debunked that that's some like bit extra actor guy, (laughs) which is obvious. Like it's not fucking Elvis. I just find that hilarious though, that if that was a, actually elvis like why the fuck would he just randomly be there in the background of uh 
the film Home Alone, like just right there in plain sight, just like, oh, here I am. I, Instead uh, of a game of Where's Waldo, it's a game of Where's Elvis. Hey, man, jo- Johnny Hughes, I, but buddy, uh, I, I really, it's been a while since I made a record, as you know, and I, I, I'm supposed to be dead and all that. Can you please put me in your movie? Put me in your movie as an extra. I don't even got to act. I just really need, I, I need that SAG insurance, and, and, and I need a, f- a couple bucks. Come on, Johnny Hughes. You and I go way back. I love your family-friendly, feel-good movies of the 80s. 16 Candles was amazing. Just do me this one favor. All right, Elvis, who's still totally alive, I'll, I'll put you in <laughs> Home Alone, but you're only going to be an extra in the background, but still clearly visible. God. Really, he looked more like Richard Karn, like, like Richard Karn's stunt double from Home Improvement, or like one of the actors from Unsolved Mysteries who played Ron Rushton. Yeah, you know that he did, fraudster he, guy. Yeah, he did kind of look like. Uh, man, good, good on you for. I forgot Al from Home Improvement's real name, but it is Richard Carn. It, yeah, it did kind of look more like like an older Richard Carn. But uh, you know what's sad about getting older, Mike? Is I, I can't use the phrase. I don't think so, Tim. On my younger friends because they have no idea what I'm talking about. They're like, <laughs> "What? My name's not Tim. Why would you call me Tim?" Yeah, yeah. You know, my dad was like the perfect uh, mark for these kind of shows mm-hmm. because he just believed them a hundred percent. Just took it on face value. Like re- thinking about home improvement just now, he told us growing up the reason why Wilson, the neighbor, like the reason why you couldn't see the bottom of his face was because he had an, he had a some deformity on the bottom of his face or whatever. And so you never saw it or whatever. And um, I don't know where you got that from. And then uh, speaking of uh, Elvis coming back, my dad actually saw another thing on Elvis. And um, I think this was in 2001. I think we were at a restaurant in Daytona. We were seeing Tool live um, on their Lateralis tour. And we were eating at like Outback or something. And my dad was talking about how Elvis is going to come back in 2002 because <laughs> the year 2002 is really important to him and he's going to come back and he's going to apologize to all his fans because he feels really bad about what he did. But, but you know, 2002 was going to be, that was going to be the year. And I'm just like, even at that young age, I was like, Dad, I just lost a lot of respect for you, man. You just were like, yeah, sure, Dad. Uh-huh. It's like, you're so Elvis. much older than me. Why am I calling bullshit on this and you're not? Like, what the fuck, man? Come on, Dad. Yeah, but yeah. whatever. Um, another thing about these Elvis Alivers things that I find funny is that all of these stories about Elvis being cited, he is he's still looking... Like he did in the seventies, just like fatter, or you know, he's he's taking the time to still have the same hairstyle. Like if you want to not stand out, if you're trying to you know hide, why the hell would you like still have that hairstyle that is no longer in 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 uh, in in style? It's no longer a style that is considered popular. Or, or it's not as big of a fad anymore. So it's if you're having that hairstyle, you're just going to be considered to be Elvis or someone who really loves Elvis and is an Elvis impersonator at, at the very least. So, I mean, 
But what a way to stick out like a sore thumb in more ways than one. I mean, unless you're really trying to like be like, hey, I mean, I'm I, I really I don't want people to forget that I'm still Elvis. So like I have to keep up the look. But at the same time, though, I don't want them knowing it's me. But I don't want them not knowing it's me. So this is kind of where I'm at. I'm hiding, but I still want them to know it's me if they see me. I, yeah, I mean... It, yeah, it, just I've, the kind of thing where... Uh, th- that ties into the logic that you heard on the other tape with Elvis. Where he's talking about wanting to live in Germany. And wanted to visit Germany. And like he saw, oh, where I have a beard and... People still recognize me. And it's like, yeah, because it's just a fucking beard. Like, <laughs> try a little harder, Elvis. And then there was someone, some lady, some some uh, waitress at the cafe who like totally recognized him. And she's like, you know, basically like, I don't know how you did it, but I'm just, I, I hope you're as happy in your life now as you've made me tonight. And it's like, She's just yet, a, you know, like if that per, if that lady even did exist, like just another person peddling bullshit. Like I remember, like being like like younger, I was at a bar or something, and then some old guy was at the bar insisting that Guns and Roses wrote the song Mister Brownstone about him mm-hmm. because, like, you know, who who do you think was uh, I was carrying their shit all around, you know. We've been working Mr. Brownstone. I was Mr. Brownstone carrying all the... you saying that, yeah. And it's just like, dude, you are so fucking cringy and just so full of shit. Liar. Like... Reminds me of that roadie guy in uh, Wayne's World 2. Like, he's saying all this stuff about how he worked with all these guys. And then, like, at the end of the film, it's revealed that he's just full of shit. He's just repeating the same shit over and over again. And he never really knew anyone. He never really was that, like this big popular roadie with all these bands. Um, but I, I mean, the Elvis Alive conspiracy, like it, it continued with other music stars who died. Tupac, yes, Kurt Cobain. Well, yeah. no, no one ever said Kurt Cobain was still alive. They just said that no. Courtney Love. They said he was murdered, murdered him, or had him uh, killed. Michael Jackson. People still think, oh, he's alive. Oh, really? I haven't, his death. I haven't heard like, that some, one. Some people, feel, some people believe that. And of course, you have like the most extreme fringes of like the conspiracy theory community. Like I've read some really outlandish theories about Elvis. You know, of course, that somehow wind up with aliens <laughs> being oh God. a part of it. You know, it's fantastic. It's it's funny, but at the same time, it, it, it's it's kind of sad. And also, when it gets to the point where you have somebody selling a book and making profit off of it and doing these videos and making these fake tapes where Elvis decided to call her at like 3 a.m. on the phone, it, that's just disrespectful to me and just disgusting. To, to, to make a profit off of uh, someone who's no longer alive based on these just theories and 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 just inaccuracies and just bullshit just for financial gain. Like, I Honestly, it makes me question whether or not they actually are legitimate, really big fans of Elvis. Like, if you were a fan of someone 
a musician like that and you respected them and their work, like, why would you ever go to that point? Why would you ever be like, yeah, he's alive? I know it was a, a not very dignified way for him to go out. And I know he died young, relatively young, but uh, it, it, <laughs> th that doesn't mean that it, it, it's okay to, to keep this lie alive that Elvis is still around and he faked his own death. I don't think anybody cares anymore. I mean, there's like a That's whole... That's the thing. A lot of people don't care anymore. Like, But there are still people, man, who still bang at that drum. That's even like, like there's been this like, uh, I think there's some uh, think pieces out recently about how like Elvis merchandise is going down in value because the audit, the core audience that gave a shit about Elvis is dying. Yeah. Dying off. I think the same thing is going to happen with other uh well-known popular musician well it's even it's even shit like um like train people who like collect trains yeah. and build trains mm -hmm. like a lot of that collector train stuff the trading card uh market the bottom fell out recently other than like pokemon cards which skyrocketed in the past couple years yeah i, I wish i had kept a, a hold of mine i had uh i had a shit ton from back in the day I it was really more the new ones though it wasn't surprisingly it wasn't really the old ones that were skyrocketing in price it was the newer ones because of the scarcity oh uh, that's probably speculators yeah i mean if it the, the this is, kind scalpers. Of, this is kind of a tangent, but Did like... Did you mean to say scalpers instead of speculators? Well, no, speculators because they are buying it up because they think that it's going to be some kind of... I thought that of, was scalper. No, that, that, scalper is someone who buys them up and then sells them to other people at a higher rate because they're scarce. A speculator oh, okay. is someone who buys it and keeps it for themselves because they think it's going to get really high in value oh, and then they will sell it for a profit. Huh. I think scalpers and speculators are pretty identical. No, there is a seeing. huge difference. I, I, from what I've been seeing, I've seen a lot of people who buy stuff where they think is going to go up in price, and they buy more than one copy, and they hold on to it, and then they sell it later. Speculators are more like people in the stock market; like they're more into like play, playing, like you know, <sighs> playing their luck. And scalpers they still sell it for like twice as much like later down the road. They still do the same thing that scalpers do. I mean, yes and no. Like scalpers sole purpose, they could scalpers could give a fuck about like what they're buying or what it is. They just buy as much of it as possible and then in that moment they turn around in that market where it's scarce and they try to sell it to people who are desperate. It uh, Scalpers are bigger dicks to me than speculators because, like, for instance, I've told the story before in here, but I'll tell it again. This kid, Chris Tipton, who I went to high school with, who's, who was a fucking dickhead, um, when those NES classics were out, they oh, were yeah, really hard. That, yeah. yeah, they were really hard to find. Uh -huh. He would, like, go to, he would, like, wake up super early and go to GameStop and buy, like, 20 of yeah. the NES classics and then he would scalp them. He would sell them for like double what he paid, and all these suckers would mm -hmm. would pay it. And I'm like, That's you guys still happening. Are... Yeah. Now, if he was a speculator, 
he wouldn't have bought like 10 of them or 20 of them. First of all, he might have bought in like five bought. And I got to stop saying that word. It's not a real word. He would have bought like five and he would have sat on them. He wouldn't have tried to sell them right away. He would have sat on them. And then like five years down the road, then he would have sold them. So it's, I mean, I guess in a way it's like a longer like play. Than I, a scalper. I still think both of them are, are, yeah, one is a little bit worse than the other, but I, I, I still am not a big fan of speculators either because they're also contributing to the artificial scarcity. They're also contributing to the fact that uh, people who want to get something are not able to get it because this fucking speculator decided to get like five copies and and sit on I guess it just feels more uh, more like um it just feels more So to me they're all scalpers. I don't spit them I don't split them up into into these categories, you know, to me they're both worse spit. Well, <laughs> to me like all, like speculators also they're like watching the market, they're keeping up with the trends. It's more of like an honest like hobby to them than it is like like scalpers are literally just like bot like the bottom feeders. They're like the worst of the worst. Like with speculators there's more it's more of a sport it's more of a authentic kind of thing and scalpers are literally just trying to this is like the first time i've ever heard of a speculator oh yeah no absolutely like the whole nft market is filled with speculators um they're they're buying up these nfts that fucking that market man just stuff changing so quickly and Dude, it's all a trend. It's it, it's a trend. It's like the I don't but it's like this since it's all digital, it's like this new kind of thing that we haven't seen before and it's kind of like scary. I mean, anytime a new technology comes through, it's always scary, but well, like I mean, that's where you hear all these stuff about maybe the dollar will be digital. I'm like, "Don't no, don't, no. don't go there." No. <laughs> I mean, Bitcoin and all that, their their stock is already like crashing and all that. And now I'm I'm treading into waters I don't really know a whole lot about admittedly, but I mean, good god, all those like a- <laughs> avatars that like you you can buy on on Ethereum or whatever, uh-huh. and you, you can use it on Twitter, and um, there, like, you have like, because I think like Twitter, your little profile picture is like a there is like circular, but if you mm-hmm. have it, if you have a verified NFT, and you can like, and and Twitter verifies the code, then you'll have a hexagonal uh, thing around your profile picture, so it's like, oh, you fancy because those NFT little avatars are expensive they're like i don't know if you've seen any of the board ape yacht club i have it's just one of those things it's like this is this is worthless to me like i don't it's absolutely under- worthless i mean it's stupid because yeah. I, I can literally they say okay well i have ownership of this exact image well not if i screenshot it and crop out everything else now i have the image too you know, yeah. like, and I can, and like, what's the use for the image? I just look at it. I I understood. I, just have it. I understood a little bit, like a little bit more, but I still thought it was stupid. Like when, like, all the classic like memes were sell- selling off, like the uh-huh. the crazy ex girlfriend or the, and then they were doing stuff for uh, 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 Bitcoin too, like Dogecoin and all these other fucking meme well, inspired. That's, that's a cryptocurrency, which is. Like a whole different thing. That's than a whole other NFTs. thing. But it, but it kind of ties similar into so like that went off, and then NFTs kind of came followed suit afterwards. But like 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 the NBA and MLB, yeah. they're selling NFTs of like that. of like Michael Jordan doing like his first like dunk or whatever, like shit mm-hmm. like that. And it's like that. I mean that. 
I guess, like, but at the same time, it's like, if it's just replicate, if it can be replicated and seen by anybody, and you're showing someone who likes basketball like that clip, and you go, oh, hey, by the way, uh, Mike Brown owns the only version of that clip that actually um, matters because, like, it's it's the official clip. The dude who's watching the clip's going to be like, who the fuck's Mike Brown and why do I care? I'm exactly. wa- I'm watching it right now. Who cares? Yeah. Like, what, what yeah. are you even talking about? <laughs> like, I don't even... I feel like it's like these dickheads like the dude who started Firefest, like that scam yeah. piece of shit. It's guys like that who are always coming up with the, this next stupid idea uh and, and and they have the ability to like make it sound exciting and make it sound like this, you know, oh, you want to get in on the ground floor with this one and I feel like those are the people who like started all this NFT crap. Yeah. And I just don't get it. I don't. I don't understand. I mean, I understand. Uh, you know, at a certain point, I did understand the the retro gaming market. You know, because there were some games that didn't have ROM ports, or you know, there's a certain experience that you get from playing the actual game on the actual cartridge on the actual system versus playing the ROM and so on. And you know, for the collector, you know, like to get a complete collection and so on. And I, I did understand that in some uh, capacity, especially the ones that were really rare. You know, there's only so many copies, you know, that kind of stuff. But even then, I thought the market got to a point where it was ridiculous. And I just feel that way about a lot of these collector markets. I mean, I collect movies, you know, DVDs and Blu-rays. And there, like, there are certain titles, you know, they go out of print and then... They're charging like $200, $300 because it's got a slip cover. And this is a fucking piece of paper. Like, are we really putting that much weight? We're putting that much onto a piece of paper and saying that it's worth, like, that much more? It's just... I get... (laughs) I can wrap my head around the concept of a rare item that exists in the real world Mm -hmm. in the real world at least there's that you know it still exists i understand that because that cannot be but when you're talking digital where you can make a perfect duplication of Mm -hmm. it because it doesn't exist in the real world it's a bunch of zeros and ones that you can also not tangible in any way no like i don't understand how you can assign an inherent value to something that can be duplicated and then it would be like oh uh, I uh, I have this massive NFT collection of rare NFTs. Like, who the fuck is even impressed, or who even cares? You want to see my NFT collection? I mean, honestly, <laughs> they, like that. Like when the internet got as robust as it did in the kind of early two thousands. That's and then Napster happened and all that. That's really when the music industry uh, died, as far as artists making money, because. As soon as the internet speeds got fast enough for people to duplicate songs and MP3 files uh-huh. and rip it onto their computer yeah. from a from a physical thing that that you once couldn't duplicate, you could only buy the copy that was at the store. Um, it you know uh, computers coming equipped with CD burners, there not being any kind of DRM on audio CDs by artists. Um, you know, that's, that's when it all went downhill, you know, and that's why 
to to this day, even with streaming services like Spotify, which make it easier and more legal to just access music, you know, with a subscription service, mm-hmm. you know, the artists are still only getting paid like a fraction of a penny per play because the like everybody understands just how easy it is to get music for free elsewhere. So why charge a huge premium for it on on Apple or Spotify when everybody knows at the end of the day, if you wanted to, you could go to Pirate Bay or wherever or YouTube or wherever you want to go and you could find it somewhere else for free. So it's unfortunate, but unless you made some kind of way to where a certain image or video clip could not be seen ex- uh, bes- uh, um, besides the person who owns that NFT, then it's it's fucking worthless. Like, unless there was some code to Especially where... Especially with stuff that people already have seen. But then, and then, then too, even if it w- <laughs> What's there was... What's so a- special about it? I've already seen the clip. I've right. already seen the photo before. And, and, you know, like, we were talking earlier about, like, you know, Michael Jordan's first, like, dunk or whatever. Like, that's actually something that's like, okay, that would be cool, you know, a piece of history or whatever. But then you get into these fucking, like, these these avatars of these, like, apes and, and like, mm-hmm. just look up, if you don't know what we're talking about on here, because I know it probably sounds like we're speaking in our language right now, look up Board Ape <laughs> Yacht Club uh-huh. uh, NFT. And and it's just these these randomly generated cartoon ape characters with these dumb expressions on their face wearing random clothes random accessories sunglasses whatever and they're ch- and they they cost like four hundred thousand dollars two hundred thousand dollars and like only like the super elites are like can afford them and you know, what's funny is i read an article it was about uh, a new portland trailblazer because i'm a trailblazers fan and they were talking about the blazers made a trade and it wasn't really an article about this, but I saw in the comments section on the article about the trade that somebody was mentioning that one of the players that was traded in Portland had a bored ape profile picture on Twitter. And I, I, I was just did not know what the fuck that even meant. So it's kind of funny that you're you're talking about that because I, I saw that today. I was like, what the fuck? Well, I learned about it a few <laughs> weeks ago because um, a lot of rappers have started, mm-hmm. uh, has have jumped on board with this, and a lot of the rappers are really getting into NFTs and crypto and all that shit. And like Eminem's got one, um, like Snoop Dogg has one, Jimmy Fallon has just taking one. Taking advantage of so many people who just have FOMO. Yeah, exactly. And and these people are. They have a lot of disposable income. Right, that they could have easily given to a charity. Well, that, but also people who don't have the money, but, you know, they want to be a part of this club, so they spend way more money than they really should to be part of something like this. Like, the homeless people downtown in Eminem City who could really use a good meal. It's like, sorry, Marshall Mathers had to buy the uh, a cartoon ape for $400,000. Uh, he could have just taken a fraction of that and like really helped you out a lot, but, um, you know, fear of missing out and all. Got to get on the trend, the trend for the wealthy. And I mean, I know that you could say that about like watches and necklaces, but at least those are tangible items that exist. Yeah, like this is about as ridiculous as it gets. Elvis being alive. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so... I mean, there's probably Elvis NFTs. I was legitimately... I made this dumb picture of myself uh, one time wearing uh, this stupid outfit and, like, a Bucky's t-shirt, like that gas station. And it, it was this awful picture with, like, me standing there, and then there was, like, a... Like a, a like a translucent me in the background, like those pictures that Mm -hmm. those self portraits that Sears would take back in the day. And there was like a moon in the ocean. It it looked really stupid. It was a cheesy picture. It was supposed to be cheesy. I made the, uh, some kind of post saying I'm going to make this, uh, as an NFT, only one or only two will be available. Um, and there were some people who were expressing interest. (laughs) And I thought I, thought about legitimately doing it and selling them for 500 each but then i thought like dude there might be some people out there who would be dumb enough to actually buy this Uh image for that amount so i didn't do it because i felt like i had this power over stupid people with too much money and i'm like i Uh i just i can't bring myself to do this this feels this feels evil yeah it felt gross yeah just like uh manipulating and uh fabricating a, a bunch of lies in order to make a a buttload of money uh feels gross but i don't think it really felt that gross to gail some of these other people who made all this money off of the elvis conspiracy Mike, if, if you if you're trying to uh tie back to the elvis thing i got nothing else on that i know i don't have anything else about it either so I feel like you're doing some segues here, and they're they're just not landing with me. I'm not trying to do a segue. I'm trying to end it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's the end of the podcast, everybody. <laughs> if you want to uh, be a member of our Patreon, which you see the bounty of your of your your investment, um, because you know this was a request by Robin. Um, you can go to pa- uh, Patreon.com/slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Once again, that's Patreon.com. Slash uncovering unexplained mysteries for three dollars a month, you get the podcast early. For five dollars a month, you can recommend or suggest things for us to cover. For one dollar a month, you get a nice digital slap on the ass from me. And for one thousand dollars a month, you will get an NFT of Mike's penis. Uh, that was inappropriate. Why did I have to say <laughs> what? that? I don't know. No, you'll get an NFT. A- you'll get an NFT of um. Oh fuck! I don't know. What can we What can we mint as an NFT <laughs> that has to do with our podcast? Okay, that one piece of art that I did of Eggman, where it's like three different Eggmans, and I did a, di- a different filter for each one. <laughs> you'll get an You'll get an NFT of that for a thousand dollars a month on Patreon. Um, uh... But it's not uh, on there, so you'll have to use a. Uh, secret code i don't know i'm just gonna abandon that whole joke sounds like the nft to stanford not fucking tangible <laughs> oh no it's uh, it's non-fungible i hate that word fungible it sounds like that sounds wrong too it sounds like um fungus like like a sp- <laughs> spongy fu- fungus just i don't know yeah i think i'm having a stroke anyway um but yeah join the group and then if you want to see me and mike like separately like maybe you like mike's voice a little better maybe you like mine a little better we have youtube channels and they actually don't really have anything to do with mysteries um 
We've been working on these YouTube channels for many years, and there's a shit ton of content on both channels. Mike's YouTube channel is um, youtube.com slash OCP Communications. Once again, that is OCP Communications. He's a big-time movie enthusiast. Mike, what is the last video that you did on your channel? Last video I did was a review of Scream 4 uh, because I've been reviewing the entire franchise. Uh, the next video is going to be a rant on the fifth film, which is just called Scream because of this stupid recent trend where all these new sequels are called the exact same thing as the first film. Brand marketing. In some ways, but I think it's just laziness and the fact that I think Hollywood just sees that these are really popular films that make a lot of money in the box office. And so they seem to think that the fans like titles being like this. Well, but I don't know of anyone that actually wants this. Well, when you consider the fact that anyone who saw the first Scream was like, is like, you know, at least 25 years older now you know it makes sense that you uh, if you put a scream five in theaters a here here here's most of the people that go and see scream five it's not the young new audience it's the same people who saw scream well, in the theater i'm guessing hollywood the industry people are banking on the fact that by just starting from scratch the young new people will come and watch it uh, that that doesn't work. <laughs> I mean that that normally is not what happens. Uh, maybe some people come in. Uh, the thing is with uh, these movies, it's like I I just I, I am so sick and tired of this current trend of nostalgia baiting and member berries and this just laziness and these franchises just that just won't die. Just let them rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty sure they're doing that with the Saw franchise as well. I think the newest Saw movie is just yeah. going to be called Saw, <laughs> which sucks because the first Saw movie was like the best, and it like redefined like horror movies at the time. Like at the time, yeah, I, I will say that at least Saw did do something different and, and innovative. I find it pretty ironic that the latest film and scream series is contributing more to in my opinion the death of the slasher genre than injecting new life into it which is what the first scream did in 1996 right yeah all right well mike really loves scream five so make sure you go over to his channel and, and <laughs> listen to him sing oh, the praises of uh, scream five <laughs> if you want to go to my channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Once again, that is dancing with ghosts. Uh, I am a music channel. I have my own original music on there as my band Dancing with Ghosts, but I also do a lot of commentary videos. The last video I did was a live stream of me um, discussing the 2022 class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. Um, some of their picks I agree with, some I disagree with, some I heavily disagree with, Eminem. Um, so yeah, it's a, a, a healthy, chunky uh, discussion about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, how pretty much tone-deaf they are at this point, um, how I don't agree with them inducting rappers into the Hall of Fame, 
unless there is a rock kind of flavor to their. I mean, it makes sense that you would induct Run DMC. Right. I've always said that I never really had a problem with Run DMC because they used rock guitar in their songs so much. And, and you know, the Walk This Way was a was a big. That was a huge like crossover rap crossover. rap rock crossover. Yeah. But then they had songs like Tougher Than Leather. Uh-huh. And um like tricky, even though it was like a guitar sample, it still was guitar. Um they you know, I guess they had an affinity for rock music as well as hip hop. So yeah, I mean that that never bothered me. But then you had like this year, like a tribe called Quest is nominated. And it's like that's like beat poetry. That that is like the furthest thing from like rock and roll. You're like, why don't you just induct Joni Mitchell, right? <laughs> oh, she's already been inducted. I want to say, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, probably. Which, which, I guess. I, I don't know. Like, to me, or Eddie Brickell. <laughs> oh God, new Bahamians. Um, <laughs> Joni Mitchell, uh, I would agree with, like, in the early influencers category, which is a category that you can go in under because, like, she was a building block to a lot of rock bands. Yeah. So that wouldn't bother me as much, but like. You know, they got like fucking uh like the Eurythmics, you know, that's not rock and roll, dude. It's that's like synth pop, that's like semi goth. I mean, I like the Eurythmics. I like but yeah, I like them no. too, but it's not no. it's not rock. And, you know, some of the rubrics for their induction are like, like what's next? Flock of seagulls? I mean, might, <laughs> might as well, shit, you know. But like I think their their definition is like you know, you, your music, like, there, 25 years has to have passed since your first official release. You had to, I think you had to have sold a certain amount of records. And at this at this point, you might as well reband the museum or the Hall of Fame to just music. Yeah, the Music Hall of Fame. I would have zero problem yeah. with that, with inducting anybody. Because at that point, it's like, well, it is technically music. But like then the third rubric for getting into the hall is the ambiguous one. Your music had to have made a change in the culture somehow in some meaningful way. And then that's like that's so subjective to whoever is in the committee at the time. And um, I don't know. It's just like (laughs) there's just so many other people that um, you could have. That, that that could still be in there. So anyway, I just kind of go off on that. And then the video I did before that were uh, the worst rapper names. I just make fun of a bunch of rap rapper names. It's just from my channel, it sounds like I'm anti-rap. I'm really not. I just happen to make two videos back to back where I'm like, no rap music. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, uh, that's all the time we got until two weeks from now or whenever. Have a good <laughs> rest of your night. Bye. See ya.